Welcome to Reading for Attention, the weekly podcast where me, Paul, and me Bessie mate Sarah chat about a recent book whilst drinking a carefully selected beverage. Now, why have we committed to reading a book every single week and talking about it in a public forum? Well, the same reason me and Sarah do anything in life, for attention. I've realised something. Mm-hmm. I've realised as I've been listening to podcasts that do the hosts talk to each other at the beginning or do they address the listener? A bit of both, I think. But should we be like, hello, thank you everyone who's listening? Or is oh, that more like a, a radio DJ? Yeah, I don't think we should start with a thanks. No. That feels presumptuous. <laughs> I listen to, have you listened to My Therapist Ghosted Me? I really need to stop recommending podcasts, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, but is that with uh, Vogue, Vogue Williams? Williams. And... Yeah, mm-hmm. really funny. I didn't know either anything about either of them, but it's really funny. But they seem to just start without even addressing anything. Anyway, well, this week, Paul, we're reading. <laughs> <laughs> so, how have you been? Um, yeah, I've been good. I went to Hidden Door Festival on Saturday, which was so much fun and met my friend for like lunch beforehand. And then obviously we ended up just having pints instead of lunch. Mm. Um, so weirdly, it was quite a well-managed day, I think, because the performances, it was more, there was music, but there was a lot more like, um, performance art and, and painting and stuff like that going on so there were these little moments where we could all catch our breath and try and sober up and then (laughs) go back out and get 10 more pints each um and I also I did that thing where I was like right okay after this pint I'm gonna start drinking vodka so then I'd get vodka and then the next time around someone would be like do you want a pint I'd be like yeah go on then so I was going vodka pint vodka pint vodka pint (laughs) um and yeah I don't I don't remember from about 11 p.m onwards Perfect night. Uh, speaking of vodka pints, <laughs> well, just yeah. vaguely related to, to alcohol. How much, you know, those pre-mixed cans that are 5% and you can mm. literally get anything now, which I think is fabulous. Like you can I get. I love them. Vodka, cranberry, whatever. Mm-hmm. How many shots of vodka do you think are in that can? That's 5%. Well, it varies on where you buy them because I've been caught out before and I've had three of Marks and Spencers on a train mm. home. Actually, I was going back to see my mum and I was like, yeah, I, I know my mum will be up for the sesh kind of thing. Mm. And I'd had three and it turns out I'd had something like it was like they were like quad rods or something. But if they're 250 mils and 5%, <laughs> which is generally what they are. <laughs> yeah. Just how many, just have a guess. Do you remember that from Catherine Tate? But how many <laughs> shots do you think, how many milliliters of vodka do you think are in there? Right, okay. In a standard one, 25 mils. Okay. I can't really remember what my point was. No, I worked I out, right. The mathematicians listening, this is how I worked it out, right? 250 mils, mm-hmm. 5%. So then that's 5% alcohol. But then you work out if vodka is 40% alcohol and then 5% of that is making up the alcohol. Anyway, I did all these calculations and I worked out that there's 31.672 
milliliters in there. Okay. And I'm basically saying this because I want someone to tell me if I'm right. I Googled it and nobody tells you how many shots are in. So if anyone gets maths, and I know that there's some clever clogs is listening, <laughs> tell me if this is your maths question, I'd say it's probably like either the last question in a GCSE maths or like an A-level maths question. Let's go A-level. If there's 250 milliliters in one of these premix cans, the whole can is 5%. The vodka mm-hmm. in it is 40%. Mm-hmm. How many shots of vodka? How many milliliters of vodka are in there? So you think it's? Do you think it's less than a shot? No, I think it's slightly more. I think it's thirty-one or something. Oh right, yeah. Sorry. Well, yeah, and then I think so. Then I think in the Marks and Spencers ones, it must be because they're eight percent. Oh, see, that's more what I'm talking about. That could be mm-hmm. a double. But that's yeah, what I think they are. I think they're doubles. They're aimed at fabulous retired yeah. women. Sitting oh, in the God, garden, so. yeah, which is just my full aspiration. Yeah. Same. Oh, well, that sounds lovely. I was in Norwich. Oh, yes. How was Still, that? People just look utterly perplexed when I tell them. And I'm sorry if there's any Norwich people listening. What do you even call a Norwich person? A Norwichite. A Norwichite, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that seemed to have been like a forgotten, forgotten area of the UK. It was lovely. It was like a York style. I sent Sarah a picture of a dip dab that I found on a market stall. <laughs> Have I taught you about how I hate markets? No way. I didn't know that. I hate markets. And I, it's kind of a running joke now. I kind of love to hate them, but okay. I don't like market culture. I don't like the way that people, you go on holiday and people go, ooh, should we go and see the markets? And it's like, why? You're not going to buy anything. And It'll be the exact same as all of the markets everything. back home. Yeah. And then also, I'm not even a big fan of like little homeware shops because every time we're going, we're like, oh, I can't wait to not buy anything in here every single time. And we never do. Uh, but anyway, went to some markets and then <laughs> it was beautiful weather. I just, just really got pissed. Michael decided to, there was this gay bar mm-hmm. that had aeroplane seats in it and an aeroplane yeah. window with a like photo of what looks like looking out of a plane a Mike, yeah Mike was like oh I'm gonna get a picture of this and put it on Instagram and then got really annoyed because the next day when he was sober everyone was like where where have you been and he was like I was like Michael you, but you did that what did you expect it looks like you're on a plane he's like I know but still <laughs> <laughs> I saw that um and it was the caption that just said bye I know oh, God. Such I was little... like, oh, so he's in a he's in an air, air, airplane themed bar then. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'd be surprised. So many people. I tell you what I'm also surprised about when I put on Instagram. Oh, it's the Harley Davidson again. Uh, about us having a million followers, clearly doctoring the photo of us that when we had 100 followers. Yes, that was embarrassing, wasn't it? Well, so because many people. Everyone thought, we... thought it was true. <laughs> This reminds me of the time when there was a film directed. What, you remember the film Selma with Oprah Winfrey? Yes. It was about the March on Washington, maybe? Mm-hmm. It was directed by someone called Paul Webb. So on Facebook, when I was a student, I was probably 23, uh-huh. I was like, exactly the same vibes. That's, that's my favourite humour. You've been waiting for this moment my whole life. Thank you so much, everyone who supported me. This is my new film. It stars Oprah Winfrey. Multiple messages yep. of congratulations. And I thought you don't even deserve to be corrected here. I'm just gonna let you. Yeah, just let it happen. That I'm just I'm directing Oprah in films now. Yeah, I once got caught in a Facebook like 
chain where I had believed someone's status. It was my mum's status. So I just thought, like, ha- God, <laughs> second mention of my mum, do I need a life? <laughs> um, <laughs> and she said, just just got in my car and there was a squirrel in the back seat and I was like well that does sound some like something that would happen to yeah. my mum so then I messaged her being like lol what the fuck and then she was like ah got you you've now got to put your, your status oh, in. you're going to come down with me I was like but mum I've got quite a few more Facebook friends than you it's going <laughs> to have a bit more of a, an impact so then put it hundreds of people commented being like oh my god cannot wait for this like blah 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 <sighs> And then I had to write this comment just being like, yeah, apologies, everyone. Um, it's not true. And someone, there was one person in particular that was like quite angry because they'd done like an office-wide announcement. Oh, no. <laughs> like, My friends going on, come down with me. I remember those days. Do you remember MSN days where you used to get the message that saying, if you don't send this message to 15 people, then the ring girl yeah, yeah. will appear at the end of your bed uh-huh yeah 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 yeah. and it was always one of those where I'd be like oh god so stupid send 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 yeah look how stupid this is send look how stupid this is send look how stupid this is 15 people and then we like at a certain point we became like aware of it as well so it'd be like ha doing this because I can't take the risk <laughs> yeah. oh I miss those times I really do miss MSN the drama the politics it's beautiful BRB BRB dinner Burp. Burp, when my cousins, my younger cousins first got MSN, they didn't understand like G to G and BRB. So they used to say it like phonetically like burp. So I still sometimes do that when I'm going somewhere around people. Like burp, going to the loop. I'm like, what? Burp. Burp. G to G. Bye-bye. We used to spell it B-U-B-I. Also, love that. The the greeting in Newcastle, I don't know if this is true anywhere else, was oi oi. Yeah, (laughs) Why was that a thing? Oi, oi. And most most conversations <laughs> were just, oi, oi. You okay? Yeah, you? Yeah, you, good, you, thanks. You what? Wubutu. That's what I used to call it. Wubutu. <laughs> Wubutu. Not NM. You? Wubutu. NM. And then about an hour later, G2G. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> And then the next day, did not even give them eye contact at school. Yeah, no, that was it. It was really like, it crossed boundaries, didn't it? It did. Because you'd speak to people on MSN and have deep, deep, deep relationships. So you'd tell them the secrets and just literally not even acknowledge them at school. And slag off your actual friendship groups. I mean, I wonder if that's just Instagram. Just me. Um, Yeah. I remember when you could save transcripts of the whole conversations as well. Yes, because that was I good. did yeah. slag someone off at school and then mm. they sent them the transcript. Yeah. And then it was printed off. Oh. And I had to have a meeting with the headmaster. Oh. The transcript was just on his desk. Oh my God, that is literal mean girls. Very mean girls, yeah. Some girls in our school got pulled in the office because they made a burn book after the watched mean girls. Iconic. I know, it was quite fabulous. Anyway. So, Sarah, it's your yeah. week this week. What we're <laughs> reading, what we're drinking. Uh, we are reading A Passage North by Anouk Arupagrasson. Listen to a podcast. That's how you say it. Oh, good. <laughs> um, and I'll read you the blurb. 
It begins with a message, a telephone call informing Christian that his grandmother's former caregiver has died as Christian makes the long journey by train from the Sri Lankan capital into the war-torn northern province for the funeral. So he travels into the soul of a country devastated by civil war. Written with precision and grace, A Passage North is a luminous meditation on time and consciousness, race and and national identity, and a poignant exploration of the unattainable distances between who we are and what we seek. And we're drinking an Alia, I think it was called, Mm -hmm. which was (laughs) Arak, ginger beer and lime. Yeah. And confession time. Mm Mm-hmm. I am drinking a peppermint tea. Tell us why. Uh, well, just because I'm trying to, I'm trying to make my sleep hygiene cycle better. Yeah, just just for for full context, it's Monday. <laughs> it's Monday night. I didn't sleep a wink last night because I had too much fun on Saturday. That seems to be a recurring theme in my life at the minute. I have too much fun on a Saturday night, and then Sunday night, the scaries arrive. Oh. Um. So yeah, didn't get much sleep last night. So I'm currently sat in quite a dark room in my pajamas, with a few candles burning and a peppermint tea, ready to just dive. I'm ready to dive on my scratcher immediately yes! after this. Geordie um, Fur, go to bed for anyone who doesn't know. And if another disclaimer is that I have read chapter one and chapter ten, the final chapter. <laughs> of this novel and i haven't read chapters two three four five six seven or eight or nine <laughs> right you know, what we're gonna do is just have five seconds of shameful silence for sarah okay and i want this to be a heavy silence oh, right yeah ready I am ashamed. I am ashamed. I've just no. You don't need to be ashamed. I've got. I think I'm intrigued to hear about what you thought about chapter one. To be honest, <laughs> what's the weather like in Edinburgh? What? What's the weather like in Edinburgh? Shit. Yeah. See, this is what I feel like. We're on different planets because it's glorious weather in London, <laughs> and I've got a drink and yeah. But I had did it. I did a training today, and someone was living in Scotland, and she got really annoyed about everything being London centric because everyone was like, "Oh, the weather's so lovely, isn't it?" And she was like, "Absolutely not." Human. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you seen Indie Ref Two? Indie Ref Two is about to happen. Oh, We're not it? about to happen. The campaign's about to start, and you know what? I fucking wouldn't blame you. Well, yeah, this is the thing. I wonder if if I've voted for independence would I get have I been living here long enough to be considered a Scottish national oh that's interesting <laughs> they'd make me take a test and it'd be like who was the head Jacobite and I would not know oh god I, I, I got myself into a Mari black hole oh my god a Mari black hole <laughs> that's class uh, so for the benefit of international listeners and anyone who doesn't know who Mari Black is, Mari Black was elected into Parliament. It's like Westminster Parliament in, I don't know, 2016, something like that. And at the time, she was the youngest. And she still is. That, like, that at the time, she was the youngest ever person to be elected to um, government. 
A real powerhouse. She was 17 at the time and nobody's done it since to be younger. Jesus Christ. You know what I'm trying to say. And Mari Black is fucking class. If you want to listen to a speech about trans rights that she did, I think, in Scottish Parliament, it is mm-hmm. wonderful. She's just brilliant. She's only like 26 now. Um, and Great. so it mustn't have been, it mustn't have been 2016. Whatever. And anyway, she was talking about how she supports Scottish independence because there's just no representation there's no real representation of Scotland and like they've got no chance of change in anything about the government Mm -hmm. which I then I was like but isn't that just because there are fewer people in Scotland which is true that's why London has London has like 180 seats because it's so populous it has more than the whole of Scotland but then I'm like anyway this is the risk of getting boring I I got myself into a Maori black hole so next time maybe I'll maybe I'll be on that side because the first time I was like no don't do it me, uh, I was like, no, think of your economy. It would be shattered. And Scotland and I just like, fuck yes. We don't give a fuck at We'll be fine on our own. And you know yeah. what? They probably will be. They absolutely will be. They'll thrive. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. So uh, what am I drinking? I So uh, I went to Waitrose to find my Arak. And there was none. Oh, okay. I didn't buy it. And to be honest, Sarah, I don't like whiskey. So there's no way I would have bought a full bottle of whiskey anyway. So I don't know why I was looking. But I just wanted to say that I'd done it. No Iraq. But when we're in Norwich on the last night, Michael bought some premixed cans. This is when we started having this conversation. <laughs> God, I'm boring. And he didn't drink this one. And the drink that he bought, and I didn't even think about it at the time, it was whiskey, ginger beer, and lime. Bloody like, hell. Premix. You Bloody hell. You can get any can. I'll tell you what, this time next year, you might be able to get a fucking Iraq in a can. That's so, good. But then I looked, what was special about Arak? And it said that people say it tastes like a mix between whiskey and rum. So um, I just plooped a little bit of rum in. So I'm hoping that this is quite an authentic alia. Um, I haven't tasted it yet because I, I just never drink whiskey. I think it's disgusting, but it's been so long. And when you think about it, I've since got, I like Bloody Marys now. I like martinis yeah. now. So let's yeah. see if I like whiskey now, okay? Oh, I'm excited. That's not bad. It kind of tastes like Pims. That is not bad. I can definitely drink that. (laughs) Pims. Do you know about Pims? If you open a bottle of Pims, have you got one? No. Me neither. If you open a bottle of Pims and smell it and think of chip shop curry sauce. Yes. Exactly the same. How How is that? This discovery was made in lockdown, wasn't it? When everyone was just oh, was it? All alcohol mm. available. Wow. Well, I'm glad that you like whiskey now. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so, Paul, what did you think of the book? Okay, here's what I thought. When I opened the book, well, when I looked at the cover, I thought it was gorgeous. Very Sarah and I bought this book together when we were in... London we went to Waterstones and spent loads of money yes when I opened it to the first page I thought hmm when I got to the second page I thought oh when I got to the fifth page I thought oh my god when I got to the 10th page I was like are you fucking kidding me and then I flicked through the whole book and basically this book is the word is contemplative. It's a very contemplative book. This man contemplates his whole life 
and it's very insular you know it's not immediate they're not living in the moment he's contemplating his life which means there is a bit of direct speech but it's just included in the lines so you know when you open a book and you think you you at least want there to be some pages that you can just rifle through because there's either short paragraphs or chapter breaks or lots of speech and it makes you feel good particularly for people who read for attention you don't mm-hmm. want this is not a book for someone who wants to read for attention no 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 unless you want attention from I don't know some sort of intellectual crowd which maybe I do there's not that it's just chunky paragraph after chunky paragraph there's a there's there's sometimes it's two pages that is one paragraph and it's relentless so when I started reading it I thought okay and then the further I got into it this was the first half I was just I wasn't offended but I was bored I was bored it's just so much contemplation so basically the story goes that this guy were you doing Krishan 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 and sometimes I kept thinking Krishel in my head because <laughs> I've watched so much Sun and Sunset. <laughs> um, so he gets a call and his grandma's carer sort of like living person who lives with her dies and he's she's found dead at the bottom of a well which I mm-hmm. thought ooh this is gonna be yes. juicy. Pretty traumatic death. And he basically makes the journey from from where to where India to Sri Lanka or the other way around. No, well, he's no, no, no. He's already in Sri Lanka, so he right. just goes from southern Sh- Sri Lanka to northern Sri Lanka. Definitely in India at some point. Yeah, he does his degrees in. He does his. That's the contemplation in his in Delhi. Right, so he travels north according to the tale, and yeah, yeah it's basically the, the journey is a couple of days or whatever it is. He just goes from here to here because he's going to Rani. The woman's called Rani. Her funeral, and then he just contemplates his life he contemplates his relationship with Anjum who he's now broken who's now not with any longer and it's a it's a hard slog it really is a slog and by the time I was traveling back from Norwich I'd read exactly half of it and it was one of those books where I was like right I need to get to the halfway point that was how I was feeling and I did yep. and I was saying to Michael oh this is so boring why was it nominated for the book I feel really stupid again I feel like it's been a run of books where I felt really thick mm-hmm and then I thought right I need so I basically had to read half the book yesterday mm-hmm. and something happened where I couldn't put it down and it was oh. really but it was weird because it wasn't that I was thinking oh, I'm desperate to know what happens next but I could I just couldn't not read it I read it in the train station for an hour I read it on the train for two hours got home kept reading it and finished it and it wasn't oh. like a chore anymore and I'm just trying to think of what the change was. was yeah but I, I mean I feel like it's we need to just stop saying obviously they're a really good writer because we just say that every time yes even the books we don't enjoy they're really brilliant writers yes 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 yeah. although I was googling word after word because I didn't have a clue what was going on mm-hmm. um but yeah there's when he gets to the funeral he starts reflecting on because in in it, the tradition is to be cremated and in a quite a public way in front of lots of men. The women don't yeah. see it. And the way that he was describing her burning body and what that meant. And basically Rani, because it's all about there being a, a, a land destroyed by war. Mm-hmm. And Rani, she saw her youngest child be killed in front of her. So there was a bomb went off and shrapnel went straight into him and he died instantly. And then her other son died as well. So she was just had this terrible, terrible grief. And obviously when you say 
when you find out she's head first down a well mm-hmm. my first instinct was okay she's she's committed suicide it takes that it takes Krishan a lot longer to get there like yeah. ridiculously long to get there yeah. um but he starts talking about the things that are imprinted in her now and how she'll never be the same and that's such an it was maybe an obvious point your kids die you'll never be the same but the way that he describes it and the way that the character comes to terms with this idea in life is so moving and so beautiful and that at the end when they're talking about the cremation he keeps saying things like our eyelids will melt uh our body will burn but it'll take longer because of the things that have been imprinted onto the back of our eyes which are her kids dying and it's this idea that not only does our body burn but the essence of who we are burns and it's going to take longer for Rani because she's had such a difficult time and oh I really I did find it extremely moving and so yeah maybe that was what was more interesting Mm -hmm. my biggest complaints I mean obviously I've slagged it off loads yeah (laughs) the end the second half I I did really enjoy my biggest complaints were it was too contemplative oh my god like the journey was almost unnecessary although like the tiniest minutiae would would describe four pages like him looking out of a window I'm like oh my god Mm -hmm. or the first time he has sex with Andrew I'm like oh my god get on with it like (laughs) it was just so painstakingly slow Mm -hmm. and then the other big thing that I'd found really difficult was that I thought he was a pretty mundane character like I didn't want to be mates with him he was he was pretty boring he smoked a bit of weed he had progressive views and I thought, okay, that, you know, that's all right. But other than that, he was, the Guardian said in a review, they used a word for it, like uh, an, some like, I don't know, basically he's pretty normal and pretty boring. Yeah. And Rani was a fascinating character. Anjum yeah. was a really fascinating character. His grandma was a pretty fascinating character. But but we were, we were seeing it all through the lens of this mundane man. And mm-hmm he was the least interesting person there and I I wanted to know more about these women not through his point of view because it's again in close third or not even necessarily from their direct points of view but I just wanted to be with them more and it was all filtered through him and when he filtered it really well when he finally realized it was probably a suicide and then realized what she'd been through and was coming to terms with it at the end his filters became really interesting but at the beginning Mm -hmm. it was I was just like, oh my God, you know that like nothing guy, like you'll go out and meet friends and there'll be one nothing guy there who's really boring. And it was just like him telling you a 280 page story without (laughs) someone else, about someone else without pausing for breath. That was what it felt like. (laughs) Yeah, I know the guy. I know him really well. Yeah, that's why I think I couldn't get past it. I mean, I'm intrigued about this halfway point and what suddenly switched. And I'm just annoyed that I couldn't really get through it. Every time I read a line, I fell asleep because the lines were 100 words long. I fell asleep multiple times in the first half, like literally, literally fell asleep. It's actually quite, maybe you should read it tonight. I know that's what I'm thinking. It's going to be a good like um, sedative. I'm wondering if there's an overall metaphor like how he so he comes from he comes back from Delhi to Sri Lanka and he's Tamil speaking yeah and so he's from the northern part which was the kind of rebel held area mm-hmm. and not the side of the country that won like 
the oppressed side, essentially. Yeah. And he has a little bit of like survivor's guilt or, Mm -hmm. yeah, he doesn't, and he comes back to Sri Lanka to sort of do some kind of like restorative, maybe anthropological work. I don't really know. I've forgotten it. But he comes back with a purpose and he works for an NGO, doesn't he? Doing some kind of, um, yeah, post-war restoration. I don't know what kind of form that takes. And I wonder if that's like a metaphor, like the action has happened. Do you know what I mean? And he's this really, like the lens that we're looking at it through is very, because there was something so calming about this book, almost in like a, not a forced way, but it was just, it was frustrating how he was so slow to the point and his thoughts really meandered and it felt almost forced, like a constructed calmness. And maybe that's what a post-war land is like you know when everything goes really quiet for the first time in almost an unnatural way like there's no wildlife left even because it's such a war-torn place and Mm -hmm. and all there is left to do is just be quiet and just be a bit shell-shocked by everything and I I don't know I don't know whether I'm reaching just because I did want to enjoy it and I didn't get anywhere near close to reading it maybe yeah maybe that all of these other characters having this rich much richer sort of narrative or so it seems and us not quite getting that is how he maybe feels about his life that he's on the outskirts and And there's definitely a guilt in him because he leaves he's left the war-torn area and he knows he's going back to it to this funeral and it's different cultures different traditions and he's in more of a metropolitan city where he can have these progressive views and he can go to university and he can have sex and all of this stuff and it's this tension between well should he remain that person or does he have a duty to his homeland essentially where that has been completely war-torn and and mm-hmm. he makes it he actually does come to a decision by the end so I've got some quotes yes. well I think two quotes really and I think this was me one I didn't enjoy and one I did and I think they give a bit of a flavor of the book they're actually both in the second half but the, the first one was very first half-ish so he's on the train to he's on the train he spends quite a lot of this book on the train this is mind you one sentence okay Uh he could see the leafless thickets of brush rushing past in the foreground before him the white hot horizon melting into the cloudless sky in the background could feel the thin steel floor vibrating beneath his feet and his shirt billowing in the wind but standing there, leaning out through the door of the train, knowing that soon he would be ri- arriving in Kilinoki and that soon he would be in Rani's village attending the funeral of a person he still could not quite accept was dead, he couldn't help thinking, as the train hurtled closer toward his destination, that he's tra- he traversed not any physical distance that day, but rather some vast psychic distance inside him that he'd been advancing not from the island south to its north, but from the south of his mind to its own distant northern reaches. Oh my God. So that's one sentence which I think is rather blasphemous. And secondly, <laughs> that to me, that sentence is like, duh, that's what the whole book's about. You've just, yeah. in quite a patronizing way, told me that he's not traveled any great distance physically, but mentally he's traveled a great distance. That is what the whole fucking book is about. And I just <laughs> don't, 
I think it's a little bit self-indulgent to write. Uh, let me just see how many lines this is. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. A fourteen-line sentence that is really wankily explaining that concept. So mm-hmm. it was when I read things like that, I was like, "Oh, come on, man! Like, just shag, yeah. shag Angem again or something. Like, do some weed, <laughs> some hard drugs. Give me something." There was a bit of, of queerness. Angem was very free in that sense, which I liked. Okay, so that's oh. that. And then there's this one, which I can't remember. Let us just figure out why I've taken a picture of this. Okay, I liked this bit. He's talking about, basically, he gets completely obsessed with Anjum. Not in any weird way, but in the way where you first start dating someone and you just want to spend all of your time with them and the whole world outside of them doesn't exist, really. And you know that it's stupid, but you just can't help it. And he goes through the whole, like, she leaves it a couple of days before she texts and I don't want to seem desperate so I wait an hour but I don't want to give myself away but I'm just so obsessed with that and then he basically realizes at some point that Anjum was never going to be his forever so you get you get an email from Anjum at the beginning of the book so you know that they've broken up and that he still has feelings for her and she sends an email asking how he is and and you you find out because of who Anjum is because of what she represents the way she sees the world he realizes that she won't be with him forever so He had known from previous relationships how quickly desire began to dissipate when two people became used to each other, how quickly the hope of transcendence with which infatuation begins was replaced by mere comfort and security, the safety of habit and routine. But he realized during their short time in Bombay that domesticity didn't have to signify the domestication of desire, that it could mean not its dullening and deadening, but it's deepening and widening, habit becoming something that fortified and buttressed desire without at the same time stifling it, like a glass case that protects the delicate flame of a candle while being open enough to let in the oxygen needed to keep the flame burning. So again, that's probably 14 lines, Mm -hmm. but I think that is the most beautiful way that I've ever heard somebody describing a relationship becoming mundane, essentially. Because he was so terrified of this desire and he didn't actually want it to get to a point particularly for Anjum where it became habitual and became routine Boring. but the way that he describes that that I'm you know what when my friends when my friends say oh but you know I'm really worried that like my life will just get boring if I get in a relationship I'm gonna go well just imagine the glass from- <laughs> case that protects the flame <laughs> I'm just gonna say well Sarah I've known from previous relationships how quickly desire begins to dissipate when two people- <laughs> I just think that's such a, a lovely way of because people do get scared of that. Like it's it's mm. a scary concept of thinking yeah. just, you don't want to get too relaxed, too comfortable. Um, and that chemical desire you cannot hold on to for very long at all. Yeah. And it's what what is left after that that becomes the basis of not only relationship, but basically your entire life. Yeah. You have to find a way to be comfortable with it at best, at worst, and happy enjoy with it, it. enjoy mm-hmm. yeah at, at best and I think it's a really delicate balance and yeah the, however he described it there was the best way I'd heard that described in a really positive way yeah because you know we're creatures who stay with well lobsters okay well lobsters and we stay yes. with each other for a long long time and you need to find a way to make that okay yeah and he made it beautiful and I don't think I've ever heard anyone make it beautiful before oh I also that thought hurt. it was a woman for the first half of the book who, who oh wrote did it. you yeah and then I saw the picture of him at the back uh-huh. not gonna lie it's pretty fit <laughs> he's also very young I think he's 33 I know um and he wrote his first book 
when he was 27 it was published when he was 27 yeah so you I wonder what it's like because sometimes when I read follow-up books I haven't read his first one I think that probably wouldn't work as a debut because I think de- debuts can't be too self-righteous not self-righteous self-aggrandizing they have to burst onto the scene and be a bit like yeah and this uh, is like he he's like you've read my first one so be patient I'm gonna yeah. tell you a story unless the other one was like this too no uh, I don't think it was so overall I'll read the quotes and tell you if I agree uh, right okay mesmerizing I'd say yes it, pro- it probably was at times mesmerizing exquisitely alive mm. <laughs> don't know about that one no. profound hypnotic at a push I mean I don't know if I was hypnotized well I I think I was hypnotized in the sense where I just went a bit docile yeah this this one I wholeheartedly agree with a singular novel by a singular writer (laughs) I read that quote on the back and I was like is that is that a compliment compliment? (laughs) I mean fair play to them if they've just taken that out of it out of context but it was like this is the most boring book I've ever read singular novel by a singular writer Uh, single star yeah, complaint, uh, contemplative, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, a tale of two halves for me. I'm not going to be jumping to Reedy's next one, but I really like that quote. So, yeah, get it tattooed on you. I might. Oh my God, use. I've 14 got, lines. <laughs> I've got an idea. Isn't that a sonnet? Imagine if he did that on purpose. Oh, whoa. <laughs> yeah, some of these are too smart for us. I've got an idea for a tattoo that I think Go I'm going to do. So, We've, we've always said we're going to get our matching tattoos. So me and Sarah keep saying that one day we're going to get the Olympic rings because I just think it's really funny because the only people who get Olympic rings are obviously Olympians. So just us like making a mockery of people dedicating their entire and, yeah, lives to sport and perseverance. And we're just like, well, we just got them because we wanted to. I want to pay attention. My new idea is, so I was watching... Uh, below deck and one of the British guys had the classic mum tattoo in the heart like the yes. sailor, sailor style heart, really saying mum. but I want it to say wine <laughs> <laughs> oh you're treading on Johnny Depp territory a little bit there why because he did have a tattoo when he was with Winona Ryder that said Winona forever and then when they broke up he got the nah crossed out so now it says wine forever Oh, for God's sake. I thought I'd made that up. <laughs> it is still so really funny. glad you told us that, though, because can you imagine? Yeah, if you, if you got it done and then I had to be like, oh, Johnny Depp stamp. Yeah, I mean, I could get Pino. Anyway, Pino, I was just thinking, <laughs> get cold, 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 dry, 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 Pino, Pino, Grigio. <laughs> right, I'll put it on one scroll. Well, fucking, that's Anouk's kind of writing that. Right, thanks, Anouk. I will probably not come back to this book. <laughs> yeah uh yeah very beautiful cover though so also well done to granter the publishing house well done granter it actually <laughs> says who uh joe walker well done joe walker cover oh, joe walker beautiful book cover yeah sorry that i didn't bother reading it Anouk. um so paul i the reason why i didn't read this book is because i had a very 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 important task the number one top of my priorities Catch three hour went oh. <laughs> well that's not that's not like a priority that's just a staple necessity day yeah i like waitrose necessities do you like those 
Is that what they're called? Waitrose no, Essentials. No, Waitrose Essentials. <laughs> oh my it. God, Necessities is a great name though. That's good, like even posher than Waitrose. Yeah, fuck yeah. And then you could be like, this is a necessary Phoenix egg. <laughs> or like necessary. It's like that hotel, The Standard. Michael was telling me about why The Standard's called The Standard. Was it Michael that was telling me that? Mm, Michael doesn't usually know things, so be careful. Ooh. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't spread this. His facts are usually quite inaccurate. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you anyway. So the mm. standard is, and it's obviously a luxury hotel. Right. Um, and it's called the standard because that's just the standard you ought to expect. Like the oh. very bare minimum standard is still luxury by many, many hotel standards. <laughs> oh, wow. I love that. The standard. Um, yeah, tell us about Love Island. Yeah, it's good. So I'll tell you actually through the lens of my new obsession which is the unreal podcast which you mm. mentioned last week it's so good and the uh, there's one episode early on i think it's maybe the second or third episode called the wild west years where basically reality tv just mm. went absolutely fucking insane for a while and like the more detrimental to a person's mental health it could be the better mm-hmm. um and probably like not typified but like the very the epitome of it was the there's something about Miriam Marianne yeah. Miriam Miriam I've just finished that episode today yeah um which was and I watched that show yeah a show a dating show where eight guys all had the chance of dating this incredibly beautiful where was she from Mexico Mexico Mexican model called Miriam um and they would each like the bachelor kind of set up each yeah. try and win her over and then at the end the guy that had won they were like okay now you can win you've won the grand prize which is a hundred thousand pounds and a, and miriam has selected you and you're going to go on this boat ride however what you ought to know is that miriam is a trans woman and then well it actually wasn't phrased like that at all she um, said it she said it and obviously yeah, that is like the epitome of this problematic stage of reality TV. Awful. And I think we all know how detrimental Love Island has been for a lot of people. And I mean, it, when you think about it, it's absolute madness that it's still allowed to be a thing because it's surely got to be the reality TV show with the most contestant, uh, well, just participant deaths. Yeah, and I mean... This is not our brand at all, but Miriam. Miriam yeah. died a couple of years ago. Oh, God. Yeah. Horrific. So I think what's happened in that they now tr- try and avoid that, obviously, at all costs, because, well, you just don't, nobody wants dead contestants on their hands. It's like just, in, oh, I don't it's difficult to say. There's no drama. Yeah, There's yeah. no, like there aren't people having these huge rows which is why reality tv is successful because you almost watch it like behind a cushion it's so cringy and like the secondhand embarrassment and uh, and the like wincing that you do is also just a brand of entertainment um there's none of that it's all quite like safe and (sighs) yeah i mean i am enjoying it it is fun to just look at fit people and objectify them. And they obviously are all stunning. Um, but no, no drama, no drama whatsoever. I, I was talking to Charlotte about this and who, she's the one who recommended the podcast, absolute diehard reality TV fan. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, and she said that the episodes are just too long. My God. It is. It is ridiculous. Like feature length film episodes yeah. of people walking around in bikinis saying the same things over and over saying again. Saying those. Yeah. Can I pull you for a chat as your head turned? Um, he's 100% my type on paper on loop. Just mm-hmm. on loop. It is. Yeah. Mind numbing. So, yeah. That's what I've been doing instead of reading. <laughs> I love how even that was more interesting. Than yeah, more, yeah, yeah, yeah. That didn't send me to sleep. Can I ask uh, you a question? Of course you can. Do you do you fancy any of them? No. Me neither, you know. No. I not, think a, all, not a what? Like, objectively beautiful Fair. people, yeah. Um, but I don't fancy any of them. But they are a lot younger than us, Paul. I mean, the one that's my age looks at you cannot believe the difference in how we look <laughs> who is it Ekinsu. who oh Ekinsu. i haven't even got to ekinsu all oh, right okay well she's come in and she's tried to stir things up but it's just a bit it's a bit trite like it's just a bit overwrought she's trying to do what previous contestants do when they actually just don't give a fuck she came oh. in first when she's like i'm not here to make friends she said it in the vt and then she said it to the girl she was like I actually, I'm not here to make friends with any of you. And I was like, fucking hell, heckin' Sue. But... Heckin' Sue. Heckin' Sue. But now she's, like, actually giving out some pretty sound advice to them all. And she obviously cares about them all. And she's just, she was just saying that to be dramatic. She's like, oh. you know, why are you, why are you setting them for this kind of stuff? Because she's older than them and she's, she's got the more life experience. Yeah. Oh, bloody uh, hell. Yes, that's about it. Oh, my God. I did watch today a short horror film oh i'm really into short horror films because i get really scared but i can pacify myself with the with the reminder that it'll be over soon right and it's called the curve have you ever watched it no i don't think so oh my god it's nine minutes long it's on youtube oh nine minutes that is short yeah and it is petrifying is it yeah so good oh my god i want i might watch that tonight you know i've got nine minutes to spare (laughs) I've got I've have I've racked up quite the short scary film selection. Ooh, senders called um, Box Fort, which is about fifteen minutes, and that's why they build a box fort in their house, like a cardboard box fort. Is that a horror? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then there's one called I think it's called the Passenger or the Train or something, and it's about oh my god, it makes me feel sick thinking about it. Just this woman gets on a train and it's a seemingly empty carriage, and then she looks down the carriage and there's a guy with his head poking out the seat, like quite at the other end of the carriage. And then I'll leave it there. Oh, you know the weirdest film, the horror film I saw, and it sounds so stupid but mm-hmm. it was really scary right it's a south korean horror film called the wig the wig i think i've seen the wig <laughs> there's just i love you know how korean there's like the i mean the, the japanese i know it's not japan but there's a japanese figure of the onryo which is like the yeah. scorned woman who's dead like basically like the ring the grudge all the that ring, kind of thing. yeah so it's like that kind of hair and it's on the floor and then it just starts like creeping towards you and then it and then it becomes the woman oh it's really scary Oh, wait, am I thinking of the ring where it grows in the corners of rooms? Could be, but it's very much those vibes. No, Two thousand and five, the she wig. Comes the TV and the ring, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm thinking of the grudge. Ah, ah. yeah. Have we had this conversation before? Do it again. Uh, Are you going in or out? Out. Okay, I'll tell well, you. Some people go. Uh, yeah, but you know why? Why? 
because her neck's broken. She can't breathe. That's why <gasps> she makes that noise. <gasps> Isn't that like shivering all the way to my toes? Yeah. Right, no, this is too dark. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you Google gonna... the Rebel Wilson thing? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. What the fuck? How mad is that? Yeah, horrible. Horrible. Cornered into coming out, essentially. Yeah, but it, yeah, which is awful in itself. But the way that they doubled down on it, they've actually, so this happened a couple of days ago. For those who don't know, Rebel Wilson posted a picture of her new partner on Instagram being like, I'm really happy. And everyone was like, fabulous. And then it turned out that the Sydney Morning Herald, someone from the Sydney Morning Herald had emailed her or her PR team or whatever, and essentially said, and he's admitted that he probably didn't use the right language. I don't know. He said something like, hi, Rebel. Uh, we're aware that you have a new partner and um, we have enough evidence now to run a story about it. So we're going to do that in two days. Have you got a comment? Or apparently they said, because the guys, the, the editor in chief or whatever you are of a newspaper said, we never said we we're going to run it. We would have based it on her response. Anyway, Rebel being the absolute, you know, what's the word for someone who's been in the industry for a long time? A veteran. A veteran yeah. with the press was probably like, oh, fuck, here we go. Right, instead of waiting two days, I'm just going to... I'm obviously in a really happy relationship. It seems like they've been together for quite a while. So I'm just going to post a nice post about it. And that'll be my way of deflecting and, and just keeping it cute, you know? Which worked, to be fair, until mm-hmm. all of this information came out. And I do appreciate the irony of us now feeding into this. But I think Rebel's fine and happy, and it's everyone knows. Yes. Uh, yeah, so they said, basically given her two days to come out. Uh, and then... What makes it worse is that he said he released a statement being pissed off that she yeah. had gazumped the story as if it was his property. I can't believe she's done this. She's she's undercut the story. It's like, yeah, obviously. It's then, her fucking life. Yeah. And this is a gay man, by the way, who said, yeah. oh, well, we should live in a world where you don't need to come out. He said, yeah, but we don't. <laughs> we don't. Uh, you've proved the point yeah. by running a story on it. And then he said that he would do it if it was if with it a was man Manuel. anyway. Which, which, which probably, right, benefit of the doubt was probably true. Like, Rebel Wilson has a partner. Maybe they do say things like, we know you're with this person. Still still not right. But really, he knows that it's going to get way more attention because it's not a straight relationship or whatever. Then the, then the main guy from the newspaper said, oh, I totally stand by and this isn't what we're doing. This is just normal procedure. We do this. And then, uh, and then obviously got millions and millions of comments and, and loads of backlash which again ironically he's probably fucking rubbing his hands together because I'd never yeah. really heard or thought about the Sydney Morning Herald before and now <laughs> I've been on the website at least 10 times today uh, and now they finally backed down somewhat and said they probably shouldn't have done it like that I mean what what is what is that I don't know Paul I don't know absolutely ridiculous I don't know whether it's just the information age that we're in where everything like like that is just so accessible and so we notice stuff like it happening more but it does certainly feel like we're in a bit of a regressive era doesn't it absolutely well Ronan Keaton tweeted saying yes this is exactly what happened to Stephen Gately but obviously 20 years ago Number one, the only place you could get that kind of information was newspapers. And number two, 20 years ago, was a completely different climate for LGBT people, especially LGBT men in boy bands, for example. So, But still, he was just like, are we still living in this time? And it's like, well, yeah, we are actually, because it's this myth that we always move forward and that everyone's getting more progressive. Not really. time comes progression. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Was there a moment where there obviously was a bit of progression and then it just feels as though it's been... 
microaggressive since I don't know because yeah it's just shocking that stuff like that is a thing and then the the like you say the doubling down on it was like Mm -hmm. are you having are you having a laugh Mm -hmm. you've clearly well not threatened to out somebody but that it could be very easily construed that way essentially blackmailed someone that's what it felt like and and instead of going oh fuck yeah that was really bad or uh sorry especially as a gay person Mm-hmm. can appreciate how that might be quite awful to experience mm-hmm. just then being like she's ruined it she's ruined my, <laughs> my story of... yeah my story well i think it just proves number one money trumps everything always mm-hmm. number two we're still look even if again if you give him the benefit of the doubt which i don't know why i'm doing i'm, I'm not actually devil's advocate that's what i'm doing even if yeah. he did think this how truly fucking westernized of you to just look at it from your Australian culture and thinking it's yeah. fine. What about Rebel Wilson's film career in the rest of the world? Is that like, I don't know, do her films screen and make loads of money in China? Probably. Are, mm-hmm. are they going to now? I don't know. Like it's, it's and it's yeah. putting her at risk. Even even if like, oh, I, I mean, it's it's just arguments that I don't even need to say because everyone knows. But who 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 had she told like oh. yeah exactly I thought that was my immediate thought like imagine if you had to be like hiya mum uh, just about to put this Instagram post about uh, my girlfriend who I've been with for a while all right god sorry for the rush I mean I think she handled it with absolute grace and style and yeah. Rebel Wilson's class it just made me think loads about Rebel Wilson and hopefully it's taken a lot of heat off that new film that she's got because that looks dreadful oh the dropout no but oh. the dropout is the Elizabeth Holmes thing. But I can see why you're saying it that because it's called, it called Senior Year. Senior Year, that's it. Where she goes <sighs> into a coma and then wakes up and wants to be a senior again. I just, oh, she thinks she is a senior, I think. So she goes into a coma in her senior year. Actually, I don't know, maybe it is quite funny. <laughs> she wakes I'm up from the coma it. 20 years later thinking it's still senior year. She's whatever. like a head cheerleader. Yeah, it's just still in her cheerleading out for it out form and weirdly <laughs> she's had absolutely no muscle wastage that's the first thing I always thought like she's <laughs> yeah, been she lying there for 20 years she'd be jumps like, out of bed <laughs> yeah oh. she's like oh I want to cheer again and then she can <laughs> yeah what a week what a week uh right oh it's my turn and I'm and... very excited <laughs> so actually we've got another email today if you want to have a look uh so thank you fans thank you listeners for list for heeding our instructions finally and sending us some emails we got a beautiful email last week uh from a a wonderful person who lives in germany so it's another international fan thank you very much who not only recommended a book but recommended a drink as well and uh you know what i thought this moment would never come yeah stunning behavior stunning so this week's book is sorry i just need a burp Whoa, i'm just looking at this other email do you know who it is yes it is <laughs> uh, right the book this week honeys is no one is talking about this by patricia lockwood and as it says in the email although it would honestly surprise me if this isn't already on your list as many people are in fact talking about this well sorry to disappoint you but i'd never heard of it but now i have thanks to you so it's a 2021 book i believe uh, written by a poet first novel uh, I, I, it looks like there's conflicting views about it online. I've started it. The good thing is, if this had no page, if this had no gaps in the, you know what I'm trying to say. Yep. That one, it's just like little stanzas. So yeah. I read it on the tube. One journey, 21% through. Yes. 
And the drink is what I'm really excited about. So he said the drink is one of my faves and was supposedly invented in Hamburg, which I maybe is where he lives, but I mean, he lives in Germany, so it must be quite near. An exclusive establishment called Le Lyon. Oh, wait, that's, I'm saying that in a French accent, but yeah. Le Lyon. I think that does sound French. The Gin Basil Smash, also oh. known as the Gin Pesto, right? This, I can get into this. Me too. So I'll just quickly tell you what it is. Served in an old-fashioned glass, gorge. How to make muddle in capital letters. So you've got to really muddle it. Basil in base of shaker in capital letters. I don't, I don't know what I'm telling you about the capital letters. Add other just ingredients. Shout them bit. Oh, wait, the ingredients are below. Okay, I'll shout the bits that are in capitals, right? Muddle! Basis. Ah. Oh. Muddle, basil, in base of shaker. Add other ingredients. Shake with ice and fine strain into an ice-filled glass. Ingredients are 12 fresh basil leaves, 60 okay. milliliters of rutte, dry gin. I don't know what rutte is. 22.5 milliliters of lemon juice, freshly squeezed, and 10 milliliters of monan, monan pure cane sugar syrup god these different european languages are really getting us uh and then garnished with three basil spr- sprigs so i don't think i've ever had such a basley cocktail no i'm excited i'm really excited to try that i might grate some palm into mine some what parmesan oh, oh yeah <laughs> whenever you say monan as in like monan, monan. is it monan, monan or monan I don't know, but it just reminds me of my old flatmate who was from Corby and he used to go, Monan! <laughs> Monan, syrup. Monan. I'm going to say it's fucking Monan because it's le syrup de Monan. <laughs> so there we go. Very excited about that. Oh, wait, read Patricia Lockwood's memoir called Priest Daddy. Oh, did you? Oh, so you did know about it. I've never heard of this woman. She's a funny fucker. Really funny, really, really, really funny here. Yeah. So far, it is uh, weird. Yeah, quite strange. But yeah, but looking yeah. forward to it. All right, then another up you down. Is this episode thirty? Oh, I don't know. Is it for? Well, no one will know this, but dear listeners, we've switched broadcast broadcasting channels. We now broadcast from Acast. Um, should I try and make this like an ad? Yeah. If you have something that you want to talk about, you've got a podcast. Why not start streaming now with Acast, a free online service distributing to all podcast forums? Fuck. You're doing so well. I thought you were reading it there. Yeah. Um, So it no longer numbers the episodes. I know. I do have a little bit of regret, you know. No, I won't say that because any Acast won't give us money. Yeah, no. So far, so good, Acast. We love you. We love you. If you're listening, we can be brought back. Oh, God, yeah. Well, we can absolutely come back. Just, just let I us would know. Happily do a bidding war. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thing I'll that call it. the first day that we moved to Acast, the episode listeners went up exponentially, and I was like, "Oh my god, they've just not been counting them right." I'm talking like tenfold more than we usually experienced. I thought this is it. This is obviously what listeners we actually had, and then the next day it just went back to normal. <laughs> yeah, you told me that, and I was like, "Oh, I need to just check that." <laughs> check on that for a little ego boost and it was like the last episode one new listener (laughs) i know oh well never mind it was a good couple of days right everyone we'll see you next week for a basil smash bye Bye, baby